What's good, Just Gospel? My name is Isaac Adams, and I am a pastor in, in D.C. and a former staff member of the Front Porch, so it is good to be back on the porch. Uh, from my time here originally, thank you, from my time here originally, I was supposed to do a panel with our sister Trillia Newbell. Uh, Trill is a co-laborer in the gospel of mine, a big sister in the faith, and she has been a huge encouragement to my prayer life. But as you've heard, uh, she couldn't make it. So I want to take a minute now uh, and pray for our sister, because how could I do a talk on prayer and not pray for our sister and our time together? So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we don't want to be people who just talk about prayer. We want to be prayerful people. Your word says to pray and ask that laborers would be raised up to go into the harvest, as we just heard about. So we want to pray for that. We want to pray trusting James 5, that the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. We ask for the restoration of our sister's health, the ending of her anemia. Lord, we thank you for Trillia's ministry, and we pray she would be helped. And in our time together here, Lord, we pray that what we know not, you'd teach us. What we have not, you'd give us. What we are not, you'd make us. Oh, Father, our Father, open our hearts to your word and your word to our hearts. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was a teenager, I got my driver's license, and I was too cool for school as I rolled through town in my mom's minivan. Uh, you couldn't tell me nothing until one day when I was driving and I looked up and realized that I was really lost. I didn't know how to get home. And I wonder if you were me in that moment, what would you have done? I'm going to leave you with that question for now because the question Thabiti has asked me to answer is, can we be reconciled without prayer? Now, Thabiti went to NC State, and I trust he found this question difficult to answer, but being a UNC grad, I naturally find it easy. The answer is no. We cannot be reconciled without prayer, and that's because in John 17, Jesus prays for all believers, all those who have turned from their sins and trust in him. And Jesus prays to the Father in verse 21 and asks that we believers would all be one. Beloved, has this thought ever arrested you? Our unity was on Jesus' lips. Jesus prayed for our unity, and he prayed for it because it would attest to him. This is why Satan wants us divided, because our unity, Jesus says, is a witness to him and his Father, which sounds a lot like what Jesus said to his disciples earlier. So in John 13, Jesus says to his disciples, By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Oh, beloved, if we have all wokeness, if we have all moral majority, but have not love, 
were nothing. And so in John 17, Jesus prays we would know and share in the kind of unity he enjoys with his father. And he prays this so that the world may believe that the father sent him and loved us, his people, even as he loved Jesus. Oh, brothers and sisters, don't miss this. The father looks at us with the same love that he looks at Jesus with. And Jesus prays we would be bound, we would be united by this kind of love, which is to say Jesus has prayed for our reconciliation. He wants us together, and I think this reconciliation would be impossible without Jesus' prayer, but praise God, with him all things are possible. So if you look at American Christians and think things look hopeless, in terms of our reconciliation, take comfort. Christ the Lord has prayed for our unity. What about you? It's been said that if you want a Christian to be convicted, just ask them about their prayer life. How is your prayer life when it comes to reconciliation across lines of gender, race, and politics? When is the last time you prayed for the unity of your local church? If you're feeling convicted, rejoice because our hope isn't that we're perfectly faithful in prayer, but that Jesus was, and he still intercedes for us. Yet we should never take that truth as a license for prayerlessness. And I think this is what Thabiti was getting at. I picked on him earlier, but the question he's asking isn't, isn't can we be reconciled without Jesus' prayer? Jesus achieved our reconciliation at the cross when he made one new man. You can see Ephesians 2 about that. Jarvis was teaching about that. This reconciliation will one day ultimately be realized. Revelation 7 makes clear men and women from every tribe and tongue will gather around God's throne. We can think of heaven as diversity united around God's throne. So Jesus' prayer will be answered. We may be lost driving around this conversation, but Jesus will bring us home. Which is why Thibbe is not asking, can we be reconciled without Jesus' prayer? He's asking, can we be reconciled without our prayer? And if I can lean on that question, what I want to ask is, why would we want to? Why would we want to be reconciled without prayer? Why would we want a reconciliation that is born of the flesh but not the spirit? Beloved, I ask because I fear that when it comes to prayer and reconciliation, too many of us Christians are, too many of us are Christians in name but atheists in practice. The theologian Alec Mateer put it like this, to abandon prayer is to embrace atheism. Why is it we have conferences on preaching, singing, and apologetics, but no conferences where the main thing we do is gather to pray? And don't hear me wrong, I love the things I just listed, but I fear Alistair Begg is right when he says Satan has scored a great victory in getting sincere believers to waver in their conviction that prayer is both necessary and Powerful. And I declare this morning, 
this ought not be. Because prayer is our holy responsibility and privilege. Prayer is our expression of unity. We're brothers and sisters in the same family, which is why Jesus taught us to pray to the same dad. Our father, the Lord's prayer begins. And there's a whole separate TED talk to do about the Lord's house being a house of prayer for all nations, but I only have so much time. Prayer is our walkie-talkie to heaven. So y'all remember when I was driving around the city and got lost? You know what I did? I didn't check Waze or Google Maps because though I'm a young man, I'm still old enough to remember flip phones that didn't have apps. No, you know what I did? I flipped out my phone, called my parents and said, help, I'm lost. And would that countless Christians spend less time on social media and more time on their knees calling up their heavenly father in prayer to say, when it comes to reconciliation, Lord, help, we're lost. I mean, someone had to be feeling that way after that last panel, right? Lou said it, Lou said it. We need to pray. And we should pray with hope, beloved, because Proverbs 15 says the Lord delights in our prayers. Y'all, prayer is the very means, watch this, by which we will do greater things in the world than Jesus did. That sentence sounds heretical. And I think it would be had Jesus not said as much in John 14. And if we look at the present-day divisions between men and women, white and black, Republican and Democrat, what's clear is we need great things to be done. Amen? I mentioned Revelation 7 earlier when we're all united around the throne. Everyone in the reconciliation conversation loves to quote that passage, and rightfully so. But if you keep reading Revelation, it's clear we ain't there yet. Our local churches are at best dress rehearsals for that great day. It's clear we have a long way to go. It is clear we need help. Which is why Revelation ends with something as powerful as it is short. A prayer. Revelation 22:20. Come. Lord Jesus. That's how the Bible ends. This conference began with a prayer, reconcile us, O Lord. Lou, Thabiti, I love that theme because it implies we need help. Humble people ask for help. Proud people don't. Humble people pray. Proud people don't. It's an interesting connection in Micah, isn't it? That humility is connected with justice. What does the Lord require of you, just gospel? But to do justice and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God? Well, you cannot walk humbly with a God you don't talk to. 
So can we be reconciled without prayer? Brothers and sisters, why would we want to? We, we may want to because prayer doesn't seem to accomplish much, but we don't have God's perspective. We, we, we may want to be reconciled without prayer because prayer seems like a weak weapon when we're going up against the world and its strongholds of racism and sexism and tribalism and every other ism. But what did the Apostle Paul say in 2 Corinthians 10? Though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. Pause. Isn't this the lesson Peter learned in John 18 when he took a sword and cut off the servant's ear when Jesus was arrested? We've heard about Peter rushing in. And Jesus said, Peter, put your sword in its sheath. And so God says in 2 Corinthians, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Brothers and sisters, prayer is a powerful spiritual weapon. Bobby said it earlier, Ephesians 6.17 says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Family, we wage war against Satan and his dominion on our knees. Is it any wonder why Satan wants to keep us silent in prayer? As Samuel Chadwick put it nicely, Satan dreads nothing but prayer. His one concern is to keep the saints from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion, prayerless reconciliation efforts, I added that, he laughs at our toil, he mocks our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. Oh, if you've ever been tempted to think prayer is unnecessary and weak, let me encourage you with four brief reasons why we can and should be reconciled with prayer. First, the Bible commands prayer. The last few years, decades, and centuries make clear that the trials and complexities of our gender, race, and political divisions often exceed our own wisdom and strength. God has limitless wisdom and strength, but we don't. But in the Bible, when people realized their limitations, they often did something. They prayed. They pray to the God who commands his children to cast their anxieties upon him because he cares for them. You can see that in 1 Peter 5. Oh, what a wonderful command. God says, lean on me in prayer because I care for you. Is it any wonder why Moses in Deuteronomy 4 would ask, what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is near to us whenever we call upon him? Hear me clearly, I'm not saying offer perfunctory thoughts and prayers when a tragedy happens. We must do more than pray if we are to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace, but we cannot do less. And so we pray. Reason number two, we can and should be reconciled with prayer. Church history commends prayer. So the Bible commands prayer, church history commends with an E, prayer. 
I remember once I was really discouraged by all the division going on, and frankly, I was uh, tired of pontificating on social media and exhausted from trying to keep up uh, from every, with everyone else's pontifications. Uh, so I did this radical thing. I put my phone down and read a book. And the book I read was a series of sermons preached in 1898 by Francis Grimke. T, thank you for introducing me to him, who was an African-American pastor in Washington, D.C. The sermon series is called The Negro, His Rights and Wrongs, The Forces for Him and Against Him. And the final, ser- the final sermon in this series is called God and Prayer as Factors in the Struggle. In this sermon, Grimke appreciated the power of prayer. Meditating on slaves in the South, Grimke said, when they were working in the cotton field, when the crack of the overseer's whip was sounding in their ears, when their backs were stinging under the lash of the hard taskmaster, when they stood upon the auction block, when families were broken up, the father going in one direction, the mother in another, and children still in another, there went up from their bleeding hearts the cry to heaven. How long, O Lord? How long? Every day, every night, almost every hour and every day, the cry of their bleeding hearts was poured into the ear of heaven. And I believe as mighty as where the other influences were for their freedom, there was none more potential than this. Prayer was their only weapon at that time, and how mightily did they wield it. Grimke goes on to say, lawless ruffians may keep the Negro away from the polls by shotguns and by unrighteous laws and intimidation may shut him out of first-class cars, but there is no power by which all the combined forces of evil in the South can keep the Negro from approaching the throne of grace. And so Grimke concludes, it is a solemn thing when millions of souls, however poor and humble they may be, carry their appeal from man's injustice to the bar of the Almighty. It is a serious matter for a nation when any body of people, however few, betake themselves not to revolt, but to prayer. Brothers and sisters, never let anyone tell you your prayers don't matter. When we pray for reconciliation and justice, we echo the cries of crunch Christians through the centuries. And so we pray. Reason number three, we can and should be reconciled with prayer. Pastors know about prayer. Pastors know about prayer. So despite my UNC background, I'm not a scholar. I don't claim to be an expert on race, gender, or politics. <laughs> that said, I'm a pastor, so I should know something about prayer. And brothers here, because we have the privilege of leading congregations that may be affected more than we think by the divisions of the past, present, or both, I want to exhort you pastors directly, it's okay if you don't know all the ins and outs of sociology and political theory, but you better know the ins and outs of your prayer closet. And if you lack wisdom, do what the Apostle James tells those who are suffering to do. Ask. If any of you lack wisdom, James 1.5, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. 
Pastors, how is your prayer life for the matters this conference is considering? Do you lead your church in praying for these things? Maybe in a pastoral prayer. As a younger pastor, we're talking about gender today. I was convicted when one older pastor said, why is it that young men don't pray for widows in the congregation? Earlier, I referenced Ephesians 6, where we're commanded to pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers uh, and requests. And the rest of that verse is really interesting. It goes on to say, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. All the Lord's people. Meditating on this principle, John Onwucheko writes in his book, Prayer. The prayer list, not the Sunday service elements, not the preaching style, not even the ethnic makeup of the leadership of the church, is often where the battle for diversity is won or lost. What makes the prayer list is often a reflection of who's praying and whose problems are seen as real, relevant, and important. A friend of mine was part of a church that refused to pray for anything related to Mike Brown, Trayvon Martin, Eric Gardner, or any other African-American who was killed at the hands of law enforcement because those issues were too politicized and would cause division in their church. And this frustrated her. She didn't want her church to march on Washington or hang a Black Lives Matter flag from the steeple. She simply wanted them to pray corporately on these matters because she knew they were deeply significant to many of the minorities in the church. And that church failed to realize something that was apparent to the early church. Fostering unity and diversity involves more than including cultural elements in a Sunday service. It involves showing solidarity with minorities in the struggles they face. You can see more on this in Acts 6. The battle for diversity is still won or lost here today. Diversity is more about priorities than programs, and a church prays for what it prioritizes. Pastors, your prayer lists essentially serve as price tags on current events and church concerns, assigning value or diminishing it. Therefore, don't populate the prayer list in isolation. Populate the list with the concerns of all the flock. Y'all, Notre Dame is an extraordinary building, and people were right to lament it burning but what about those black churches burning in Louisiana? When our churches gather, do we think to pray for churches like these and the communities they represent? Reconcile us, O Lord. Pastors, our hearts for reconciliation and justice will will be seen not necessarily in our Twitter feeds, but in our prayer closets, in our congregations. Prayer isn't a filler to be used to transition from one item to the next in a Sunday morning service. No, prayer is a language of love. And all people will know we're Jesus' disciples if we have love for one another. Finally, reason four, we can and should be reconciled with prayer. Christians agree on prayer. Christians agree on prayer. So the reason this conference exists is because Christians do not agree on how to respond to racial, political, and gender strife. But all Christians agree that we ought to rely upon God in prayer. Prayer humbles us and recenters us. Prayer inspires hope, and it should give us a holy excitement that God will do more than we ask, think, or imagine, as Ephesians 3 says. 
the reality that ought to stupefy us with gladness in prayer and make us zealous to pray is that God is more eager to give than we are willing to receive. We potentially have the entire freight of heaven behind our, af- our efforts if we would but ask. And so the bottom line of this talk is this. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Your frustration, your suffering, your confusion, your despair, your lament, your strife, your enemy, your concerns for your community, whatever it is, take it to the Lord in prayer. Make like Habakkuk and cry, how long, O Lord? Make like the psalmist and plead, God, forgive my hidden faults. Make like Francis Grimke and pray that we would be men and women who love justice and mercy. Whatever your cry, my friends, take it to the Lord in prayer. And as I close, I can hear the voice of a sister in a gospel choir singing, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, forgive us for our prayerlessness. Reconcile us, O Lord. Help us as we pray and help us to pray because we're driving around, we're looking up, And we're realizing that in so many ways, we are lost. Would you bring us to your directions and your word? Would you bring us home? Would you come, Lord Jesus? Come. In your name we pray. Pray.